Well, big uh, Sunday, a lot of stuff going on. Anybody need a Colts update this morning? Who, who wants an update? Who would rather not have an update? Because you recorded it. You're going to go home and watch. Okay, all right. So the updaters win. The score of the game, no, I'm not going to do that to you. You can see it when you get home. And of course, it's our Stewardship Pledge Commitment Sunday. It's Veterans Day, so we honor our vets who are with us. Our uh, art gallery just above the uh, gathering area outside the sanctuary was created by vets, um, remembrances of their service. So you might br uh, browse the art gallery, make your way up there at some point, perhaps after church today. So certainly a, a big day. Veterans Day weekend, uh, I heard a, a story on NPR from a few years ago that I thought is really just a, a great day to play this for us. It's of course off the radio, so we've got an audio clip and just gonna play it as it was on the radio that day. Let's listen. And it's Friday morning, time again for StoryCorps. This project is recording conversations between friends and today we're gonna hear from two veterans. Anthony Bravo Esparza, is known by his friends as Dreamer. From a trailer in the parking lot of the West Los Angeles Veterans Affairs Campus, he offers free haircuts to fellow vets and a space to hang out. Last year, Paul Crowley went in for a haircut. Today, he's Dreamer's assistant. When I showed up, I was washed. Yeah, you've been drinking. I was totally out of hope, and part of that was the way I looked. I hadn't shaved in a couple weeks. My hair was filthy and scraggly, but getting the haircut made me feel, for lack of a better word, normal, which I hadn't in a long, long time. When I first ran into you, I saw a guy that could, at some point, rise above it, and I've just felt that I can help you. Abraham Lincoln once said, never underestimate the power of a haircut. Of course, he never said that, but he should have said it. I try and help you out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not cutting hair, but... When I'm there at the trailer, I've watched the guy that just came right off the streets, not doing too well, and the only thing he has to pay you with is an orange. Whatever you got, we'll make a deal. I got rubber band balls, I've got pebbles, rocks, washers. I've never seen you turn anybody away. It's amazing to me to see the guys that come in in the beginning. And then after they've been there a little while, they're going out to look for work. Mm -hmm. And they walk in with a suit and the haircut you had given them the day before. And you can't even recognize them compared to the day they walked in there. You impressed me from the very start, and I respect what you have imparted to me. It's what has made me into a better person because of my interaction with you. Thank you, buddy. We're going to move forward. That's why we comb our hair backwards. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that a great vet story? You never know the difference generosity can make. You know, if you ask that vet who gives haircuts to other vets, are you living a blessed life? Don't you imagine he would say, you bet I am. You bet I am. In this series when we, in which we've been talking about a blessed life, we've talked about how a blessed life is a meaningful life, a life that wants to serve and help other people. It's a grateful life especially for the people who have passed on goodness in our lives, like last Sunday when we celebrated All Saints Day. And today we think about how a blessed life is a generous life. That's what King David wanted people to know at the end of his life. He had wanted to build a temple to God, and in his closing days he realized that's not going to happen. But the one thing he could do 
is make it possible for that to occur. He calls the nation together. His last act as king, he gives a tremendous amount of his own personal possessions for the building of the temple that will happen long after he's gone. It's like he's saying to the people, I'm going to pay it forward. I want to honor the God who has honored me. I want my most lasting contribution to be that which carries on after I'm gone. So he's determining how he wants to be remembered. Ten days ago, uh, Indiana icon Bobby Knight passed away. Interestingly, on All Saints Day. Last Sunday, I read an article in the paper about an interview Bobby Knight gave the day after he was fired by IU. A reporter for Channel 4 scored this interview, drove down to his home in Bloomington, and was expecting a typical Bobby Knight tirade, going after the university, going after different people, but he wasn't like that at all. He was calm, collected. In this interview, the person asked Bobby Knight, if you could write the line that would be on your gravestone, what would it say? Knight replied, I think it would say he was honest. He did what he thought was right. He didn't kiss anybody's Bobby Knight euphemism. But then he said, I would add a PS to that epitaph that would read like this. And every once in a while, he did think he was wrong. Hmm. You know, if you think about it, stewardship really is about writing your own epitaph. Stewardship is about taking control yourself as to how you want to be remembered and for what. And that's what King David was doing in this 29th chapter of First Chronicles. He's kind of writing his own epitaph. He's determining how he wants to be remembered, except he doesn't need to say, every, every now and then I was wrong, people knew that. David had committed serious wrongs in his time. But what endeared David to people and endeared David to God was he admitted that. He was able to admit that. On this occasion, he's gathered the people together to say, I want you to know I'm a blessed person. God has been good to me, but the greatest blessing is to have a generous life. And he makes this offering for the building of the temple, and he prays this prayer to God. So this morning, on this, what to me is a very sacred day, when we make commitments to support the work of St. Luke's for the coming year, I want us to think about why it is true that a generous life is a blessed life. Why is that? And I want to think about some of the things we, we learn about generosity from this story. So one of the things we learn is that generosity comes from a desire to give. Generosity means it's something that you want to do. So in the story, David says, in the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. Generosity cannot be a requirement. It's a desire that needs to find expression. Have you ever received a gift that you kind of sensed was given out of obligation? You ever received something like that? Some years ago, previous church, I might add. Somebody gave me a gift one time. 
set up my desk, opened it. It was a box of licorice. And I thought, that's interesting because there's no way anyone on earth could have ever heard me say, I like licorice. <laughs> set it down on the desk. And there's this little, little piece of paper sticking out from underneath it. I flipped it over and it was this tag of paper. I lifted up the tag and it said, dear Jan, I know how much you love this. Huh. And I realized this was a re-gift. They forgot to take the tag off of it. Now, I recognize it because I have re-gifted before. How many of you, be honest, raise a hand, have given a re-gift before? Shame on you. I can't believe that. There's nothing wrong with a re-gift. Anytime you give a gift, there's not something wrong with it, but you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference from a gift when you feel like, I just need to give something, versus the gift that says, I've really been watching you, I've paid attention to you, I know what you like, I know what you need. I've taken some time to find this gift to give you. God does not want giving to be an obligation. God wants it to come from a, a grateful heart. As Paul says, God loves a, a cheerful giver. That's why last week I made the point that stewardship starts with gratitude, just going, I am so blessed to have what I have in my life. Because if it starts with giving, stewardship means what we give. It's gonna be an obligation. It's gonna be something we feel like we have to. And there's a difference. Rick Warren says, people don't give more to God because they don't love God more. People don't give more to God because they don't know how much God loves them. So when we understand how loved we are, how blessed we are, generosity is a desire. Something else we learn in this story about David is generosity simply means thank you. It simply means thank you. When you think about it, we can't really give God anything because it all belongs to God already. It's not really ours. We're just giving back to God what God already owns. David acknowledges this with his use of the word provide, but the first time he uses it, you would not think that's what he's saying. At the very start of the chapter, verse two, he says, with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. I mean, that sounds pretty braggadocious, doesn't it? I have provided. But look at how he uses it later. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Well, that's a very different nuance, isn't it? David was so emphatic about this, he says it in a couple of other ways. Verse 11, for all that is in the heavens and on earth is yours. Verse 14, for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. It's all yours, God. David is like, I don't want you to ever miss this, to really believe that everything in, that you have comes from God because that changes how you look at the world. Last month, I preached at Matthews United Methodist Church outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I was an associate pastor there over 30 years ago. They invited me back to preach. Susan and I flew down on a Friday. 
We got there, rented a car, drove to Matthews, and had the afternoon, the evening free. So we just drove around the town to see how much it had changed. And it hadn't changed a whole lot. And then I said, let's go see our first house. Susan and I had only been married like a year and a half at this point. And so the first house we ever bought was there in Matthews. So we found our way back to this neighborhood and it was a brand new neighborhood when we bought this house that you see a picture of right now. Um, the Bradford pears were like this tall. Now we're back there and they're towering. We didn't even recognize the neighborhood. But we found our house. This is the house where our daughter Julie was born. It's where Sarah was born. And here's a picture of Susan holding Julie. And uh, we just stood there looking at the house. We got out of the car. We're standing on the street. And, you know, I'm just kind of remembering all this. I'm remembering taking Julie for her first trick-or-treat. Dressed her up as a cowgirl. We couldn't find boots that fit. They were way too big. So here she was, like, walking like this, a little cowboy hat on. And I'm just kind of, like, remembering. And, and then I'm thinking about where they are now. This is where we started. And I'm just like, man, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. God has been so good to me. I don't deserve it. And then I noticed the curtains move in the house. And I realized, oh, I think the owners are wondering why we're out here staring at this house. <laughs> and I realized it's somebody else who lives there now. That house belongs to someone else. We never owned it. We just borrowed it for a little while. Now somebody else is living in it. Somebody else always lives in it. Somebody else always gets what we have. We don't take it with us. We're not keepers. We're borrowers with everything we have. And when we understand, gosh, it's, it's all God's right now anyway. The blessing is to be able to share it. That's why we talk about stewardship. The word steward means manager. We're just managing what we have right now in a way that we hope honors God. Something else we learn about generosity in this story is that generosity inspires generosity. David's act of generosity motivated other people to give. That's why it says in the story, the leaders of the families gave willingly. You know, stinginess can spread, can it? Stinginess can have an impact on other people, but so can generosity. And the inspiration of generosity is greater than the discouragement of selfishness. It inspires something. Do you ever get down? Do you ever get discouraged? Try practicing generosity if you want to increase joy. Just, just try it and see what it does to you. I was in a church one time we started a soup kitchen and we realized shortly after starting it, the need was so much greater than we uh, estimated. The numbers of people coming to be fed, it required that we went to a daily service and so many people were coming that we didn't have room in the little dining room where we started out. So we needed to find a bigger facility. It was gonna take a lot more money. Our finance committee decided to do a four week campaign to raise money for this purpose. So they happened to have a meeting midway through the campaign and we got a report and it was hugely successful. We were already at our goal. And so we're all kind of celebrating this and then somebody goes, um, 
I don't want to dampen the mood, but I'd like to recommend that we don't tell the congregation this. Because if we tell the congregation, people who haven't made a contribution yet are going to go, it's not needed. I don't need to make a gift. They've already met the goal. And everybody kind of said, yeah, you know, that makes makes a lot of sense. Okay, we're not going to promote it. And then a woman on the committee said, okay, let me give another opinion, if if I may. She said, I really sense God is moving in our church right now. God is inspiring people's hearts in in this mission. And I think we need to trust that. It's not ours to control whether or not people give. So if, if we lean into that, I don't, I don't see how we can go wrong if we celebrate what God is doing. <laughs> Talk about a timely word. That's exactly what we did. We celebrated it. We made a big deal about it. And do you know what happened? We about had double the amount of gifts come in in the remaining two weeks so much beyond what the goal was that still went to feeding people it still went to serving the purpose of the of the soup kitchen because we all get inspired when we see generosity in action we we want some of that too and then i've kind of given away the last point generosity also inspires joy Generosity, it generates joy within us. And so when we do get discouraged, practice generosity. See what it does. Look at how David mentions this on several occasions in this story. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced. And at the end of the story, after witnessing all the people had done, it says, they ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. Leslie Allen, in his commentary on this passage, says, consumers experience self-gratification in their spending, and so do misers in their saving. But givers know a deeper joy and a greater gain. We experience the joy when we see the difference it makes. When we know that God has used what we have to do something far beyond us, maybe even after we're gone, it it inspires joy within us. So every year on this Sunday or one close to it, second Sunday in November, we share together in making a pledge of our commitment to support the work of St. Luke's for the coming year. They always say, we want to keep this happening. And we do it in this context, being able to see what the difference has been this year because we made such a commitment last year at this time. Let's just think about it for us this year, 2023. We celebrate that there is a St. Luke's in Midtown. A year ago, Pastor Mindy and a group of people from St. Luke's North Indy went there in Broad Ripple. They had their first service, first Sunday in December, 75 people. Now they're averaging 120 every Sunday. That's that's just the average attendance. The number of first-time people who have connected with Midtown this year is several hundred 
people who have come to faith, people who've connected with an open and welcoming community like Renee and Sarah Wells. We told their story some weeks ago in a sermon. In their previous church, Sarah gave her life to Christ and it liberated her from some things in her life. She celebrated that by being baptized. And when they recognized in this church that they were indeed a couple, the church said, we're going to have to rescind that baptism. That's what brought them to Midtown. They found a church that welcomes them for who they are, that gives them a place of belonging, that allows them to live out their discipleship with joy. We also think about what has happened in the life of the Hunter family this year. Laura and Matt Hunter appreciated the special needs ministry started a few years ago by Crystal Hensley on our staff. Prior to that, they were not able to participate in church as a family because one of the two of them always had to be home with their son, Thomas. Well, discovering that led to the inspiration to create a special needs classroom here at the church so families could come to church and be together as a family. This past July, Thomas passed away. Recently, Matt and Laura said to Crystal that they so appreciated what the church here at St. Luke's did for them, they want to give back. They want to serve in the special needs ministry because they want to give the hope that they received. Freedom School is another success this year, providing six weeks of learning, community, and support to 87 students. We held a first-ever hunger symposium, bringing together local leaders to educate us about hunger needs in Indianapolis. The Dementia Care Group meets to support people caring for loved ones with dementia. And it's not just for family members, but friends, anyone who is walking through this period of life with someone they know and care about. I mean, we could go on and on and on naming the difference St. Luke's has made in the lives of people this year. Hopefully, if you've been around here any length of time, you're thinking of people right now. And we want to make that happen again in 2024. I want to ask if you would take out your 24 financial commitment card. You got one in your bulletin as you came in or there's one in the pew rack in front of you. And it's very simple. It just asks for your personal information at the bottom. And then to fill in the blank of what you estimate to be your financial support of the church in the coming year. And in a moment, we'll want you to fold it and just place it in a basket when you come forward. But I do want to point out that this is kept confidential within our financial staff leadership, within our treasurer and assistant. Now, the dollar amount is provided our finance committee, and that is very useful to them. It helps them plan the budget and the commitment of the church for the year ahead. But I don't want you to be intimidated to think, oh, man, what if I, what if I can't fill, complete this pledge? What if, what if my needs change this year and I can't do that? Well, we don't have stewardship police in St. Luke's. We're not going to call you and say, hey, what's up? However, if there are things we can do to be of help to you, I hope you will call us and let us know that. Inevitably, for some in our church, every year their situation changes. And you know what? We understand that. That can happen to any of us. We want to also be of help and support for each other. So this is a way of helping us live out our membership vows. If you're visiting with us, we are not expecting you to participate in this, but we're not going to stop you either. 
if you care about what goes on in St. Luke's and you say, I believe what happens here is something good and I want to participate in that. I want to get some joy out of it. We welcome that. In fact, as you get ready to fill out your card, I want us to see, along with the things I just shared, I want us to see some images that reinforce that. We always put together a, a year in review celebration video. So take just a few minutes as you think about filling out your card and uh, let's just see some of the difference that we've made this year. Doing church is hard work. There is some level of pain involved in it. Typically emotional, not physical, but difficult no less. What does it look like for us to live as holistic disciples? As we continue to ask it, creates room in us to be open to the movement of God in our lives and in our church. It teaches us how to take a stand in the world today and how to stand up for others and problems in the community. And over the years, I've come to know that at one time I used to go to church, and now I do church. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Find somewhere where we can feel accepted, where we walk in the door and we feel like we're wanted, and we wanted to be along, like we belong and that we just need to just go in into, like they've said, just love. I think that's what God calls us to do. We've said that a lot, and that's the heart of the message. That's the heart of, of salvation. It's supposed to be just to love. of all of this stuff and all of this gifting and all of this grace. I've got enough for you to show up and make a difference as only you can. I, you know, I feel my destiny now is to, to deliver, deliver a message of, of anti-hate, of love. I need to give Jesus a try. I'm going to do that. And right then, I had a warm feeling come in my heart, and um, it's been a magnificent ride ever since. So they don't have to live their life in anger or, or fear. How do we move forward? We connect this community.
was really well done. Great video. One of the things you might notice on the card is a way you can check if you want to learn more about planned giving and uh, including St. Luke's in your state. Last week, we had our first legacy dinner for people who have done this. And we hope that that number is going to grow even more. Folks like King David saying, I want my lasting contribution to be what happens after I'm gone and making a difference in the church because there's something about St. Luke's that's unique and we believe the world needs a church that welcomes everybody like this church. I certainly believe that. I hear people's stories all the time, stories of parents who just say, I, I like the fact that the church is safe for my children. I want them to come and feel safe and know that God does not look at them as an exception. God looks at them as God does all God's children. And there's so many things that go on here that we go, man, we don't want to see that be lost. We want to make sure that keeps going. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, and as we sing our closing song and join with the team, you can come down, place your card folded in a basket, pick up a tumbler. These are what we're going to give people who visit St. Luke's in the year ahead in 2024. So you get to be the first to get your St. Luke's 2024 tumbler and pick that up. And then don't leave just yet. If you would, go back to your seat. And I want to close this out with a few important comments at the end and let us all have a benediction before we go today. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this church, for the way we have found hope through this community of faith. And we thank you that you call us to be hope givers. And sometimes we get even more hope when we become a part of a means of sharing and passing on hope to other people. This is one of them, and it's a big one, because it guarantees that you're going to continue to do many of the things we've seen on the screen, the stories that we've heard. And we just think about what we do today and what are those stories going to be next year? Who are going to be the, the people on the screen or folks who are sharing about what has happened in their lives because of St. Luke's? It's because of you working through St. Luke's. So bless, speak to us as we close this service, making a commitment for more of this to continue through this year ahead. We pray in Christ's name.